0: Section 76 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Henry. Of the Management of the Sewers and the Late Commissions The Corporation of the City of London may be regarded as the first commission of sewers in the exercise of authority over such places as regards the removal of the filth of towns. In time, but at what time there is no account, the business was consigned to the management of a committee, as are now the markets of the city, markets committee, and even what may be called the management of the Thames, navigation committee. It is not at all necessary that the members of these committees should understand anything about the matters upon which they have to determine. A staff of officers, clerks, secretaries, solicitors and surveyors save the members the trouble of thought or inquiry. They have merely to vote and determine. It was stated in evidence before a select committee of the House of Commons on the subject of the Thames steamers that at that period the chairman of the Navigation Committee was a bread-and-biscuit baker, but a very firm-minded man. In time, but again I can find no note of the precise date, the committee became a court of sewers, and so it remains to the present time. Commissions of sewers have been issued by the Crown since the 25th year of the reign of Henry the Eighth, except during the era of the Commonwealth, when there seems to have been no attention paid to the matter. As the metropolis increased rapidly in size since the close of the last century, the public sewers of course increased in proportion, and so did commissions of sewers in the newly built districts. Up to 1847, these commissions, or Court of Sewers, were eight in number the metropolis being divided into that number of districts. The districts were as follows. One, the city. Two, the Tower Hamlets. Three, St. Catherine. Four, Poplar and Blackwall. Five, Holborn and Finsbury. Six, Westminster and part of Middlesex. Seven, Surrey and Kent. Eight, Greenwich. Each of these eight commissions had its own act of parliament, its own distinct, often irregular and generally uncontrolled plan of management. Each had its own officers, and each had its own patronage. Each district court, with almost unlimited powers of taxation, pursued its own plans of sewerage, little regardful of the plans of its neighbour commission. This wretched system, the great recommendation of which, to its promoters and supporters, seems to have been patronage, has given us a sewerage unconnected and varying to the present day in almost every district, varying in the dimensions, form, and inclination of the structures. The eight commission districts, I may observe, had each their sub-districts, though the general control was in the hands of the particular court or board of commissioners for the entire locality. These subdivisions were chiefly for the facilities of rate collecting, and were usually Western, Eastern, and Central. The consequence of this immethodical system has been that until the surveys and works now in progress are completed, the precise character, and even the precise length, of the sewers must be unknown, though a sufficient approximation may be deduced in the interim. To show the conflicting character of the sewerage, I may here observe that in some of the old sewers have been found walls and arches crumbling to pieces. Some old sewers were found to be not only of ample proportions, but to contain subterranean chambers, not to say halls, filled with filth, into which no man could venture. While in a sewer in the newly built district of St. John's Wood, Mr. Morton, the clerk of works, could only advance stooping half-double, could not turn round when he had completed his examination, but had most painfully, for a long time feeling the effects, to back out along the sewer, stooping or doubled up as he entered it. Why the sewer was constructed in this manner is not stated, but the work appears, inferentially, to have been scamped, which, had there been a proper supervision, could hardly have been done with a modern public sewer, down a thoroughfare of some length. The Vorontsov Road but the conflicting and disjointed system of sewerage was not the sole evil of the various commissions. The mismanagement and jobbery, not to say peculation, of the public moneys appears to have been enormous. For instance, in the Accountant's Report, February 1848, prepared by Mr. W. H. Gray, 48 Lincoln's Inn Fields, I find the following statements relative to the bookkeeping of the several commissions. Quote, The Westminster plan is full of unnecessary repetition. It is deficient in those real general accounts which concentrate the information most needed by the commissioners. And it contains fictions, which are very inconsistent with any sound system of bookkeeping. The ledger of the Westminster commission does not give a true account of the actual receipt and expenditure of each district. The Holborn and Finsbury books are still more defective than those of the Westminster commission. There are the same kind of fictions, But the extraordinary defect in these books consists in the utter want of system throughout them by keeping one-sided accounts only in the ledger with respect to the different sewers in each district, showing only the amount expended on each. The Tower Hamlets books have been kept on a regular system, though by no means one conveying much general information. With respect to the Surrey and Kent accounts, says Mr. Gray, the books produced are the most incomplete, and unsatisfactory, that ever came under my observation. The ledger is always thought to be a sine qua non in bookkeeping, but here it has been dispensed with altogether, for that which is so marked is no ledger at all. Under these circumstances, the report continues, It cannot be wondered at that debts should have been incurred, or that they should have swollen to the amount of £54,000, carrying a yearly interest of £2,360. Besides annuities granted to the amount of one thousand one hundred and twenty five pounds a year, the Poplar and Greenwich accounts I quote the official report, confined as they are to mere cash books, offer no subjects for remark. No books of account have been produced with respect to the St. Catharines Commission End quote. on the sixteenth December eighteen forty seven The new commissioners ordered all the books to be sent to the office in Greek Street. But it was not until the 21st of February 1848 that all the minute books were produced. There were no indexes for many years even to the proceedings of the courts, and the account books of one of the local courts, if they might be so called, were in such a state that the book called Ledger had for several years been cast up in pencil only. This refers to what may be characterised, with more or less propriety, as mismanagement or neglect though in such mismanagement it is hardly possible to escape one inference. I now come to what are direct imputations of jobbery, and where that is flourishing or easy, no system can be other than vicious. In a paper printed for use of commissioners, September 7th, 1848, entitled Draft Report on the Surrey Accounts, emanating from a General Purposes Committee, I find the following concerning the parliamentary expenses of obtaining an Act, which it was found necessary to repeal. The cost was altogether upwards of £1,800, which of course had to be defrayed out of the taxes. This Act, says the report, authorised an almost unlimited borrowing of money, and immediately upon its passing, in July 1847, notices were issued for works estimated to amount to £100,000, and others, we understand, were projected for early execution to the amount of £300,000. Considering the general character of the works executed, and from them judging of those projected, it may confidently be averred that the whole sum of £300,000, the progressive expenditure of which was stayed by the supersidious of the old commission, would have been expended in waste. The report continues... It is to be observed that each of the district surveyors would have participated in the sum of £15,000 percentage on the expenditure for the extension of the Surrey works. Thus the surveyors, with their percentages on the works executed, and the clerk, by the fees on contracts and so on, had a direct interest in a large expenditure. Instances of the same dishonest kind might be multiplied to almost any extent after the above evidences, of the incompetency and dishonesty of the several district commissions, and the reports from which they are copied contain many more examples of a similar and even worse description. It is not to be wondered at that in the year 1847 the district courts were, with the exception of the city, superseded by the authority of the Crown, and formed into one body, the present Metropolitan Commission of Sewers of the constitution and powers of which I shall now proceed to speak. Of the powers and authority of the present commissions of sewers. In 1847, the eight separate commissions of sewers were abolished and the whole condensed by the government into one commission, with the exception of the city, which seems to supply an exception in most public matters. The Act does not fix the number of the commissioners, To the Metropolitan Commissioners, five City Commissioners are added, the Lord Mayor for the year being one ex officio. These have a right to act as members of the Metropolitan Board, but their powers in this capacity are loosely defined by the Act, and they rarely attend, or perhaps never attend, unless the business, in some way or other, affects their distinct jurisdiction. The Commissioners, of whom twelve form a quorum, are unpaid, with the exception of the chairman, Mr. E. Laws, a barrister, who has £1,000 a year. They are appointed for the term of two years, revocable at pleasure. The authority of the City Commission, as distinct from the Metropolitan, for there are two separate Acts, seems to be more strongly defined than that of the others, but the principle is the same throughout. The Metropolitan Act bears date September 4th, 1848, and the City Act, September 5th, 1848. The Metropolitan Commissioners have the control over the sewers, drains, watercourses, weirs, dams, banks, defences, gratings, pipes, conduits, culverts, sinks, vaults, cesspools, rivers, reservoirs, engines, sluices, penstocks, and other works and apparatus for the collection and discharge of rainwater, surplus land or spring water, wastewater, or filth, or fluid or semi-fluid refuse of all descriptions, and for the protection of land from floods or inundation within the limits of the Commission. Ample as these powers seem to be, the Commissioner's authority does not extend over the Thames, which is in the jurisdiction of the Lord Mayor and Corporation of the City of London, and it appears childish to give men control over rivers and to empower them to take measures for the protection of land from floods or inundation. While over the great metropolitan stream itself, the Antlet Creek, below Gravesend, to Oxford, they have no power whatever. The commissioners, city as well as metropolitan, are empowered to enforce proper house drainage wherever needed. To regulate the building of new houses in respect of water closets, cesspools and so on. To order any street, staircase or passage not effectually cleansed to be effectually cleansed to remedy all nuisances having insanitary tendencies, to erect public water closets and urinals free from any charge to the public, to order houses and rooms to be whitewashed, to erect places for depositing the bodies of poor persons deceased until interment and to regulate the cleanliness, ventilation, and even accommodation of low lodging houses. The jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Commissioners of Sewers extends over all such places or parts in the counties of Middlesex, Surrey, Essex and Kent, or any of them not more than 12 miles distant in a straight line from St Paul's Cathedral in the City of London, but not being within the City of London or the liberties thereof. This, it must be confessed, is an exceedingly broad definition of the extent of the jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Commission giving the commissioners an extraordinary amount of latitude. In our days, there are many Londons. There is the London, or the metropolitan apportionment of the capital, as defined by the Registrar-General. This, as we have seen, has an area of 115 square miles, and therefore may be said to comprise as nearly as possible all those places which are rather more than five miles distant from the post office there is the metropolis as defined by the post office functionaries or the limits assigned to what is termed the london district post this london district post seems however to have three different metropolises first there is the central metropolis throughout which there is an hourly delivery of letters after midday and which deliveries are said to be confined to london then there is the sixth delivery metropolis or that throughout which the letters are dispatched and received six times per day. This is said to extend to such of the environs as are included within a circle of three miles from the general post office. Then there is the six mile metropolis with special privileges. And lastly, the 12 mile metropolis, which being the extreme range of the London district post, may be said to constitute the metropolis of the general post office. There is again the metropolis of the Metropolitan Commissioners of Police before the region of rural police and country and parish constables is attained, a jurisdiction which covers 96 square miles, as I have shown at pages 163 to 166 of the present volume, and reaches, generally speaking, to such places as are included within a circle of five miles and a half from the general post office. There is, moreover, the metropolis as defined by the Hackney Carriage Act, which comprises all such places as are within five miles of the General Post Office. And further, there is the metropolis of the London City Mission, which extends to eight miles from the Post Office, and the metropolis again of the London Ragged Schools, which reaches to about three miles from the Post Office. This, however, is not all. For there are diverse districts for the registration and exercise of votes parliamentary or municipal there are ecclesiastical and educational districts there is a thorough complication of parochial extra-parochial and chartered districts there is a world of subdivisions and of sub-subdivisions so ramified here and so closely blended there and often with such preposterous and arbitrary distinctions that to describe them would occupy more than a whole number. My present business, however, is the extent of the jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Commissioners of Sewers, or rather to ascertain the boundaries of that metropolis over which the Metropolitan Commissioners are allowed to have sway. The many discrepancies and differences I have explained make it difficult to define any district for the London sewerage, and in the reports and so on which are presented to Parliament, or prepared by public bodies. Little or no care seems to be taken to observe any distinctiveness in this respect. For instance, the jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Commission of Sewers, which is said to extend to all such places as are not more than 12 miles distant in a straight line from St Paul's Cathedral in the City of London, comprises an area of 452 square miles. The metropolis that of the Registrar-General presenting a radius of 6 miles with a fractional addition, contains 115 square miles. Yet, in official documents, 58 square miles, or a circle of about 4.5 miles radius, are given as the extent of the metropolis sewered by the Metropolitan Commission. By what calculations this 58 miles are arrived at, whether it has been the arbitrium of the authorities to consider the sewers and so on as occupying the half of the area of the Registrar-General's metropolis, or what other reason has induced the computation, I am unable to say. The boundaries of the several metropolises may be indicated as follows. The three-mile circle includes Camberwell, skirts Peckham, seems to divide Detford, irregularly, touches the West India Dock, includes portions of Limehouse, Stepney, Bromley, Stratfordly-Bow, and about the half of Victoria Park, Hackney. It likewise comprises a part of Lower Clapton, Dalston, and a portion of Stoke Newington, and closely touching upon or containing small portions of Lower Holloway and Kentish Town. sweeps through the Regent's and Hyde Parks, includes a moiety of Chelsea, and crossing the river at the Red House, Battersea, completes the circle. This is the 6th delivery district of the General Post Office. In this 3-mile district are chiefly condensed the population, commerce and wealth of the greatest and richest city in the world. The 6-mile circuit runs from Streatham on the south, just excludes Sydenham, contains within its exterior line Lewisham, Greenwich and a part of Woolwich. Also wholly or partially, East Ham, Leytonstone, Walthamstow, Tottenham, Hornsey, Highgate, Hampstead, Kensal Green, Hammersmith, Fulham, Wandsworth and Upper Tooting. The portion without the three-mile circle and within the six is the suburban portion or the immediate environs of the metropolis and still presents rural and woodland beauties in different localities. This may be termed the Metropolis of the Registrar-General and Commissioners of Metropolitan Police. The twelve-mile circle, or the extent of the jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Commissioners of Sewers, as well as the London District Post, includes Croydon, Wickham, Paul's Cray, Foots Cray, North Cray, and Bexley. Crosses the river at the Erith Reach, proceeds across the Rainham Marshes, comprises Dagenham, skirts Romford, includes Henhot Forest and the greater portion of Epping Forest touches Waltham Abbey and Cheshunt, comprehends Enfield and Chipping Barnet, runs through Elstra and Stanmore, comprehends Harrow-on-the-Hill, Norwood and Hounslow, embraces Twickenham and Teddington, seems to divide somewhat equally the domains of Bushy Park and of Hampton Court Palace, then crossing the river about midway between Thames-Ditton and Kingston, the boundary line passes between Cheam and Ewell and completes the circuit. Over this large district then, the jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Commissioners of Sewers is said to extend, and one of the outlets of the London Sewers has already been spoken of as being situate at Hampton. The district yielding the amount of sewage which is assumed as being the gross wet house refuse of the metropolis is, as we have seen, taken at 58 square miles and is comprised within a circle of about 4.5 miles radius. This reaches only to Brixton, Dulwich, Greenwich, East India Docks, Leighton, Highgate, Hampstead, Bayswater, Kensington, Brompton and Battersea. The actual jurisdiction of the commissioners is then nearly eight times larger than the portion to which the estimated amount of the sewage of the metropolis refers. The Metropolitan District is still distinguished by the old divisions of the Tower Hamlets, Poplar and Blackwell, Holborn and Finsbury, Westminster and so on, but many of these divisions are now incorporated into one district, of which there would appear to be but four at present, or five inclusive of the city. These are as follows. 1. Fulham and Hammersmith, Counters Creek and Ranella districts. 2. Westminster, Eastern and Western, Regent Street and Holborn. 3. Finsbury, Tower Hamlets, Poplar and Blackwall. 4. Districts south of the Thames, Eastern and Western. 5. City The practical part, or working, of the commission of sewers is much less complicated at present than it was in the times of the independent districts and independent commissions. The orders for all work to be done emanate from the court in Greek Street, but the several surveyors and so on, whose salaries, numbers and so on are given below, can and do order on their responsibility any repair of a temporary character, which is evidently pressing, and report it at the next court day. The court meets weekly and monthly, and what may be styled the heavier portion of the business, as regards expenditure on great works, is more usually transacted at the monthly meetings, when the attendance is generally fuller. But the court can, and sometimes does, meet much more frequently and sometimes has adjourned from day to day. Any private individual or any public body may make a communication or suggestion to the court of sewers, which, if it be in accordance with their functions, is taken into consideration at the next accruing court day, or as soon after as convenient. The court in these cases either comes to a decision of adoption or rejection of any proposition, or refers it to one of their engineers or surveyors for a report, or to a committee of the commissioners appointed by the court. If the proposition be professional as to defects or alleged and recommended improvements in the local sewers and so on, it is referred to a professional gentleman for his opinion. If it be more general as to the extension of sewerage to some new undertaking or meditated undertaking in the way of building new markets, streets, or any places, large and public, or in applications for the use and appropriation by enterprising men of sewage manure, it is referred to a committee. On receiving such reports, the court makes an order according to its discretion. If the work to be done be extensive, it is entrusted to the chief engineer, and perhaps to a principal surveyor acting in accordance with him. If the work be more local, it is consigned to a surveyor. One or other of these officers provides or causes to be prepared a plan and a description of the work to be done and instructs the clerk of the works to procure estimates of the cost at which a contractor will undertake to execute this work or, as it is often called by the labouring class, to complete the job a word at one time singularly applicable. The estimates are sent by the competing builders, architects, general speculators or by any one wishing to contract to the courthouse without the intervention of any person, officially or otherwise and they are submitted to the board by their clerk. The lowest contract as the sum total of the work is most generally adopted and when a contract has been accepted the matter seems settled and done with as regards the management of the commissioners for the contractor at once becomes responsible for the fulfilment of his contract, and may and does employ whom he pleases and at what rates he pleases without fear of any control or interference from the court. The work, however, is superintended by the surveyors to ensure its execution according to the provisions of the agreement. The contractor is paid by direct order of the court. The surveyors and clerks of works are mostly limited as to their labours to the several districts, but the superior officers are employed in all parts, and so, if necessary, are the subordinate officers when the work requires an extra staff. According to the returns, the following functionaries appear to be connected with the undermentioned districts. Fulham, Hammersmith, Counters Creek and Ranelagh. One surveyor Three clerks of the works one Inspector of Flushing. Eastern and Western Divisions of Westminster and Regent Street, one Surveyor, who has also the Holborn District to attend to, two Clerks of the Works, six Flap and Sluice Keepers, Holborn, two Clerks of the Works, one Inspector of Flushing, Finsbury, one Clerk of the Works, one Inspector of Flushing, Tower Hamlets and Poplar and Blackwell, one surveyor, who has also the Finsbury district included in his district, two clerks of the works, two inspectors of Flushing. South of the Thames, western districts, one surveyor, two clerks of the works, two inspectors of Flushing. Eastern districts, one surveyor, two clerks of the works, two inspectors of Flushing. What may be called the working staff of the Metropolitan Commissioners consists of the following functionaries – Receiving the following salaries chairman with a yearly salary of one thousand pounds secretary with a yearly salary of eight hundred pounds besides an allowance of one hundred pounds in lieu of apartments clerk of minutes three hundred and fifty pounds two clerks of minutes each with a salary of one hundred and fifty pounds three hundred pounds one clerk of minutes with a salary of one hundred and twenty pounds 1 clerk of minutes with a salary of £105 1 clerk of minutes with a salary of £95 1 clerk of minutes with a salary of £90 Accountant with a salary of £350 Accountant's clerk with a salary of £150 Accountant's clerk with a salary of £80 Clerk of surveyors and contractors accounts £200 Ditto, with a salary of £125. Ditto, with a salary of £110. Clerk of rates, £250. Another clerk of rates, £180. Another clerk of rates, £110. Another clerk of rates, £90. Engineer, £1,000. For travelling expenses, £200. Surveyor for Fulham and Hammersmith, Counters Clark and Ranelagh Districts, £350. Clark of Works Hammersmith, £150. Clark of Works Counters Creek, £150. Clark of Works Ranelagh, £150. Inspector of Flushing, £80. Surveyor of Eastern and Western Divisions of Westminster and of Regent Street and Holborn Divisions, £300. Two Clerks of Works, Eastern and Western and Regent Street, With a salary of three hundred pounds each, six hundred pounds; two clerks of works, Holborn, with a salary of one hundred and fifty each, three hundred pounds; inspector of flushing, eighty pounds; surveyor of Finsbury, Tower Hamlets, and Poplar and Blackwall, three hundred pounds; clerk of works, Finsbury, one hundred and fifty pounds; inspector of flushing, eighty pounds. Two clerks of works tower hamlets and poplar and blackwall with a salary of one hundred and fifty pounds each three hundred pounds two inspectors of flushing with a salary of eighty pounds each one hundred and sixty pounds one marsh bailiff sixty five pounds surveyor of the western districts south of the thames three hundred pounds ditto eastern ditto two hundred and fifty pounds clerk of works eastern portion One hundred and sixty four pounds two inspectors of flushing eighty pounds each one hundred and sixty pounds one wall reeve twenty two pounds eight shillings clerk of works western portion one hundred and sixty four pounds ditto ditto one hundred and fifty pounds two inspectors of flushing with a salary of eighty pounds each one hundred and sixty pounds two engineers clerks with a salary of one hundred and fifty pounds each three hundred pounds one ditto, 150 pounds, one ditto, 100 pounds, one ditto, 80 pounds, one bylaw clerk, 150 pounds, 22 flap and sluice keepers, 892 pounds 12 shillings, surveyor of the surveying and drawing staff, 250 pounds, drawing clerk, 150 pounds, two ditto with a salary of 130 pounds each, 260 pounds, Five ditto with a salary of one hundred and five pounds each, five hundred and twenty-five pounds. One ditto fifty pounds. Six surveyors with a salary of one hundred pounds each, six hundred pounds. Six chairmen eighteen shillings a week each, two hundred and eighty pounds. Office keeper and crier general service one hundred and twenty pounds. Bailiff and so on one hundred pounds. Strong room keeper eighty pounds One messenger seventy pounds two ditto forty pounds each eighty pounds three errand boys thirty two pounds each ninety six pounds housekeeper one hundred and fifty pounds yearly total thirteen thousand eight hundred and seventy four pounds this is called a reduced staff and the reduction of salaries is certainly very considerable. If we consider the yearly emoluments of tradesmen and businesses requiring no great extent of education or general intelligence, the salaries of the surveyors, clerk of the works, and so on, must appear very far from extravagant. And when we consider their responsibility, and what may be called their removability, some of the salaries may be pronounced mean. For I think it must be generally admitted by all, except the narrow-minded, who look merely at the immediate outlay as the be-all and the end-all of every expenditure, that if the surveyors, clerk of works, inspectors of flushing and so on, be the best men who could be procured, as they ought to be, or at any rate be thorough masters of their craft, they are rather underpaid than overpaid. The above statement may be analysed in the following manner. Chairman, £1,000. Subtotal of £3,505 from Secretary and seven clerks, £1,860, Accountant and five clerks, £1,015, Clerk of Rates and three clerks, £630. Subtotal of £9,533 from Engineer and five clerks, £1,830. Seven surveyors of surveying and drawing staff, with six chairmen and nine drawing clerks, £2,125. Five district surveyors, £1,500. Twelve clerks of works, £2,278. Nine inspectors of flushing, £720. Twenty-two flap and sleuth keepers, £892.12. shillings; Bailiff, Marsh Bailiff and Walreve, one hundred and eighty seven pounds eight shillings a subtotal of five hundred and ninety six pounds from office keeper, strong room keeper, and housekeeper three hundred and fifty pounds, three messengers and three errand boys two hundred and forty six pounds grand total fourteen thousand six hundred and thirty four pounds, the cost of rent, taxis, stationery, and office incidentals is now four thousand four hundred and forty pounds which makes the total yearly outlay amount to upwards of nineteen thousand pounds the annual cost of the staff in the secretary's department is said to have been reduced from three thousand nine hundred and sixty two pounds four shillings to three thousand six hundred and five pounds in the engineer's department from sixteen thousand four hundred and thirty seven pounds three shillings to eight thousand nine hundred and seventy three pounds sixteen shillings in the general service there has been an increase from six hundred and six pounds sixteen shillings to six hundred and ninety six pounds a deputation who waited lately upon lord john russell is said to have declared the expenses of the commissioner's office to be at the rate of from twenty five to thirty per cent on the amount of rate collected The sum collected in the year 1850 averaged £89,341. The cost of management in that year was £23,465. This, it will be seen, is 26% of the gross income. The annual statement of the receipts and expenditure under the Commission for the year 1851 has just been published, but not officially. From this it appears that in february eighteen fifty one the balance of cash in hand was five thousand seven hundred and fifty pounds nine shillings eleven pence the total receipts during the year have amounted to one hundred and twenty nine thousand pounds and nine pence making together one hundred and thirty four thousand seven hundred and fifty pounds ten shillings eight pence the expenditure as returned under the general head is for work ninety five thousand five hundred and thirty nine pounds nineteen shillings threepence this item includes the cost of supervision and compensation for damages. The cost of surveys has been six thousand three hundred and thirty two pounds nineteen shillings and ninepence management sixteen thousand four hundred and thirty pounds nine shillings and twopence loans ten thousand four hundred and forty two pounds ten shillings and twopence. Contingencies two thousand seven hundred and forty nine pounds one shilling and a penny total payments one hundred and thirty one thousand four hundred and ninety four pounds nineteen shillings and five pence balance in hand three thousand three hundred and fifty five pounds eleven shillings eight pence as an instance of the mismanagement of the sewers work of the metropolis it is but right that the subjoined document should be published I need not offer any comment on the following return to an address of the Honourable, the House of Commons, dated twenty eighth July, eighteen fifty one, except that I was told early in January, on good authority, that the matter was now worse than it was when reported as follows: Privy Gardens, Whitehall Yard, Scotland Yard, and so on, public sewer. With reference to the two orders of the Commissioners of Her Majesty's Woods and so on. I have the honour to state that, since the 15th of November, when I last sent in a memorandum, I have frequently visited the several Crown buildings affected by the building of the main public sewer for draining Westminster, namely the Earl of Malmesbury, the Exchequer Bill Office, the United Service Museum, Lord Liverpool's, Mr. Virtue's, Mr. Alderman Thompson's, and Messrs. All these buildings have been more or less damaged by the construction of the sewer, the Exchequer Bill Office, the United Service Museum, and Mr. Virtues, in a manner that, in my opinion, can never be effectually repaired. At Lord Malmesbury's, the party wall next to the Exchequer Bill Office has moved, as shown by some cracks in the staircase. But for this house it may not be necessary to require more to be done than stopping and painting. At the Exchequer Bill office, the old Gothic groins have been cracked in several places, and several settlements have taken place in the walls over and near to where the sewer passes under the building. The shores are still standing against this building, but it would now be better to remove them. The cracks in the groins and walls can never be repaired to render the building so substantial as it was before. The cracks in the basement, still from month to month, show a very slight movement, Those in the staircase and roof also appear to increase. As respects this building, I would submit to the Commissioners of Woods that it would not be advisable to permit the surveyors of the Commissioners of Sewers to enter and make only a surface repair of plaster and paint, but I would suggest that a careful survey be made by surveyors appointed respectively by the Board of Woods and the Commissioners of Sewers, and that a thorough repair of the building be made so far as it is susceptible of repair, under the Board of Woods, the commissioners of sewers paying such proportion of the cost thereof as may fairly be deemed to have been occasioned by their proceedings. At the United Service Museum, the settlements on the side next the sewer appear to me very serious. The house occupied by Lord Liverpool, as also Mr Virtue's house, of which his lordship is Crown Lessee, were both affected, The former to some extent, but not seriously, of the latter the west front sunk and pulled over the whole house with it. But as respects these two houses, the interference of the board is, I believe, unnecessary, Mr Hardwick, one of the sewer commissioners, having, as architect for Lord Liverpool, caused both to be repaired. A like repair has also been made in the kitchen offices of Mr Alderman Thompson's house, where alone any cracks appeared. At Messrs. Dalgleish and Taylor's, very serious injury has been done to both their buildings and their trade. The commissioners of sewers have a steam engine still at work on those premises and have not yet concluded their operations there. Some of the sheds which entirely fell down, they have rebuilt, and others which appear in a very defective, if not dangerous state, it is understood they propose to repair or rebuild. But as eventually Messrs. Dalgleish and Taylor – will have a very heavy claim against them for interference with business, and as the extent of damage to the buildings which has been done, or may hereafter arise, cannot at present be fully ascertained. It would probably be advisable to postpone this part of the subject, giving notice, however, to the commissioners of sewers that it must hereafter come under consideration. Signed, James Pennethorn, 10th of May, 1851 Sewer, Whitehall Yard, and so on. Under the order of the commissioners of Her Majesty's Woods, and so on, of yesterday's date, endorsed on a letter from Mr Tons, I have inspected the United Service Institution in Whitehall Yard, and find most of the cracks have moved. The movement, though slight, and not showing immediate danger, is more than I had anticipated would occur within so short a period when I reported on the 10th instant. It tends to confirm the opinion therein given and shows the necessity for immediate precaution and for a thorough repair. Signed, James Pennathorn, 16th May, 1851. Seymour Charles Gore Commissioners of Her Majesty's Woods, Forests, Land Revenues, Works and Buildings Office of Woods and so on, 5th August, 1851. End of section 76